RTHK News. It's one o'clock, I'm Aaron Tam. The headlines. Outgoing CE Carrie Lam acknowledges that her government could get on better with the public, but says COVID and social unrest are to blame. Meanwhile, John Lee's new team is tipped to hit the ground running, but there's a warning that just talking the talk won't be enough. And in Macau, large queues form at testing centres as the authorities attempt to get on top of a potential COVID outbreak. The outgoing Chief Executive Carrie Lam has conceded the government doesn't have the best of relationships with the people. But in a Metro Radio interview, she said that this was down to the 2019 social unrest and the COVID pandemic. The CE says she takes criticism of the administration in her stride. It's the environment that caused it. You can imagine what happened in 2019, those who took part in the social unrest. Of course, they weren't happy with the government. Those who took a neutral stance would wonder why the society was so chaotic. I'm afraid it's unaffordable and it would take a while before things can return to normal. Even though I think the overall atmosphere is improving, it takes time. At the same time, during the pandemic, we have shut various premises and told people they cannot do this and that. People would feel frustrated. And when they are unhappy, of course, they have some comments on the government. I take this in stride as as normal. Hong Kong's sole delegate to the country's top legislative body, Tam Yu Chung, says the SAR's new governing team need to walk the walk or risk annoying the public. Speaking on RTHK a day after CE designate John Lee announced his new lineup, Mr. Tam said the officials should also demonstrate strong team spirit in implementing their leaders' decisions. Different departments should help and collaboration should be done by the top ministers and their deputies. This is the new team spirit. And finally, everyone is results-oriented. We have to resolve problems and don't just talk the talk. When you say too much, people will get annoyed, frankly. There's no point in just talking. Everyone knows how to talk, analyse, but you have to come up with solutions, right? Mr. Tam says he thinks ministers with a background in party politics are more down-to-earth because they've won elections in the past and won't have a problem communicating with the public. An independent China strategist, Andrew Leung, says on balance, incoming leader John Lee has assembled a fairly good team. Mr. Leung said the chief executive designate would be hoping this team can help him achieve concrete results within his first 100 days in office. What John Lee wants to achieve, especially, is to show credibility in his first 100 days because that would be the test of people's confidence in his team because many of them are relatively unknown to most of the people. And I think that he has got to actually deliver some results. Of course, some of these deep-seated problems would take a long time to show results, but at least he can show progress on the partition units at providing some affordable private housing to eligible people and, of course, to manage the pandemics. Long queues have formed outside COVID-19 testing centres in Macau as the SAR continues a mass testing exercise. The Macau government is warning people of a COVID outbreak after finding 34 infections. More than 300,000 people have been tested since the work began yesterday. Authorities aim to test everyone in Macau by noon tomorrow. Schools are suspended, or, uh, are suspended and officials have urged businesses to close temporarily.
A University of Hong Kong epidemiologist says Hong Kong's daily COVID tally may rise above 2,000 cases by the end of this week, but he thinks the virus doesn't pose much threat to the general community anymore. Benjamin Cowling says it makes sense to slightly tighten COVID restrictions in the short term to soften the peak of the current infection wave. But he told RTHK that in the long run, Hong Kong should aim to return to normal. I think COVID is going away. Um, If anything, I I think we should be aiming to return back more to normal. And that would mean actually looking forward to the opportunity for larger gatherings. But given that BA 2.2.1 numbers are on the rise, I can understand why there might be a a short-term need to to tie up a little bit. Turning overseas, France's President Emmanuel Macron has suffered a major political setback after his centrist coalition lost its parliamentary majority. His coalition, Ensemble, lost about a hundred seats with major gains for both Marine Le Pen's far-right party and a new alliance led by far-left leader Jean-Luc Mélenchon. He was Mr. Macron's opponent in April's presidential election and has now become the main opposition leader. Mr. Mélenchon thanked his supporters after the results came in. I thank you all, our committed activists, socialists, ecologists, communists. This result, it's the vote. It's for us. We will never forget this result before millions of electors who have heard our call and placed their trust in our candidates. Mr. Macron's party will still be the biggest in the National Assembly, although dozens of seats short of a majority. The reaction among supporters of Mr. Macron's alliance was subdued. This is a disappointment. There's uncertainty because we don't know what will happen next, what deals will take place. Will the parliament group be able to function or will they make compromises with other groups? So there's disappointment and uncertainty. The former Colombian rebel, Gustavo Petro, has promised to deliver real change for his country after being elected as the country's first left-wing president. Mr. Petro won 50% of the vote, beating his right-wing populist opponent, Rodolfo Hernandez. Addressing his supporters in Bogota, Mr. Petro said his victory marked the beginning of a new phase in Colombia's history, turning away from from sectarianism and intolerance. What's coming here is real change, real change. That's what we're committing our lives to. We won't betray the electorate that has demanded that Colombia change from today. Following the results, Mr. Hernandez had this message. Colombianos, hoy... Fellow Colombians, today the majority of citizens who voted have chosen the other candidate. As I've repeatedly said, I accept the result, since this is how it should be if we want our institutions to be strong. Ukraine's parliament has voted to ban some Russian music in media and public spaces. It will apply to music created or performed by those who are or were Russian citizens after 1991. Artists who have condemned Russia's war in Ukraine can apply for an exemption. The import of books from Russia and Belarus will also be prohibited under the legislation. The Canadian film director Paul Haggis has been arrested in southern Italy in connection with the alleged sexual assault of a young woman. He was detained in the tourist town of Ostuni in Puglia. The BBC's Wendy Urquhart reports. 
prosecutors allege that a young foreign woman was forced to have non-consensual sexual relations with Paul Haggis over a period of two days and that the victim was taken to hospital after being found in a confused state at Brindisi Airport at dawn on Sunday. An attorney for Paul Haggis has issued a statement claiming that he is totally innocent. Mr Haggis is best known for his award-winning screenplays, including two James Bond movies, the film Crash and Million Dollar Baby. Four years ago, Paul Haggis was accused in the US of sexual misconduct by four women. That case has yet to come to court. A team from the International Monetary Fund will hold talks in Sri Lanka today on the country's dire economic crisis. The team, which will be in the country until the end of the month, is expected to resume recent discussions on debt restructuring. The BBC's Lipika Pelham reports. The talks are a continuation of the virtual summit held in May between the IMF and Sri Lankan government officials. The team will discuss an urgent bailout program with potential IMF loan lending arrangements. It is expected to proceed with the first installment of loan payments to improve the value of currency. But time is short for the island nation facing chronic shortages and is just days from running out of fuel. Prime Minister Ranil Vikramasinghe said earlier the IMF loan would enable Sri Lanka to seek help from other countries. Sri Lanka has defaulted on its external debt for the first time in its history last month. Retail workers at the Towson, Maryland Apple Store are celebrating a successful vote to form the tech giant's first retail union in the United States. Over the last few decades in the United States, there has been a big drop in trade union membership. But in the last couple of years, that trend has slowly begun to reverse with workers in several large conglomerates, including Starbucks, Microsoft and Amazon, winning recognition agreements. Peter Prouse is a professor of human resource management and employment relations at the University of Sheffield. What's happened is that the decline in the major unionised sectors such as manufacturing and service with the decline of employment in those sectors has been the expansion in the service sectors such as hospitality, such as retail for a lot of people in the USA. And one of the growth sectors have been an exponential growth has really been Apple Microsoft and all those IT companies have moved into retail as well as sort of uh, technology. And those areas have not been heavily unionized. So those areas such as Starbucks, Amazon, and recently fast food New York campaigns are new, is, is new growing evidence of people's willingness to join and to organize themselves into unions for the first time in these growing sectors. Currencies. The U.S. dollar is trading at 134.84 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and five cents. The pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 61 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 21,079, four points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $84 billion. To sport, and in golf, England's Matt Fitzpatrick has won the U.S. Open to clinch his first major title. He's the first Englishman to win since Justin Rose in 2013. The BBC's Ian Carter was watching the action. The man who won the U.S. Amateur here in 2013 is now the U.S. Open champion at Brookline, and his caddy, Billy Foster, has already dissolved into fits of tears, and it's fits of joy. For Matt Fitzpatrick, they hug each other. A huge smile on the Englishman's face. 
Max Verstappen extended his lead in the Formula One Drivers' Championship to 49 points with victory in the Canadian Grand Prix. The reigning world champion beat Ferrari's Carlos Sainz by less than a second in Montreal. After the race, Verstappen said his Red Bull wasn't as fast as the Ferrari, but his team came through thanks to a superior strategy. Yeah, it was a tough race. I think overall it felt like I, we didn't really have the pace compared to Carlos the whole race, but um, we just stuck to our strategy and I think it actually, it was a good one. Just, uh, yeah, then when the safety car came out, uh, I was like, that's <laughs> going to be tough till the end because, uh, you know, with fresh tires behind and already having a little bit of a pace advantage, I don't think, you know, uh, it's going to be easy to keep them behind, but we did everything we could and, and yeah, while being on the limit, trying not to make mistakes, but yeah, it worked out. The International Swimming Federation, FINA, has voted to restrict the participation of transgender athletes in elite women's events. From now on, transgender swimmers are required to have completed their transition by the age of 12 to race as women. The decision follows controversy over the success of the American trans swimmer Leah Thomas. Opponents of transgender participation in women's sports say anyone who's been through male puberty has an unfair physical advantage. Hussein Almus Alum is the the president of FINA. Our work is not yet been done. Still, we have long way to go. This policy, I'm sure with time, will be amended and we will bring it back to the Congress uh, for further discussion. Braden Keith is editor-in-chief of the swimming magazine SwimSwam.com. He explains what the rule change means. For all intents and purposes, it rules most transgender women out of elite competition internationally. Uh, It doesn't necessarily filter down to national competitions, but internationally, uh, individuals will be required to prove their chromosomal sex in order to compete, with the one exception if they transition very young before certain stages of puberty. Leah Thomas is an American swimmer who swims at the University of Pennsylvania. And in her first three seasons of collegiate swimming, and collegiate swimming is a very big deal in the United States, um, she competed on the Penn men's team. Uh, Then they took a break for the pandemic year. And after several years of hormone replacement therapy, she came back competing for the Penn women's team, um, wound up winning a collegiate championship in the 500-yard freestyle. And that has been sort of what has set off the process of events that led to FINA's decision uh, today. And the weather, sunny intervals and isolated showers. Outlook, sunny periods and one or two showers tomorrow. The temperature now is 30 degrees with the humidity at 76%. To end the news, the top stories once again. Outgoing CE Carrie Lam acknowledges that her government could get on better with the public but says COVID and social unrest are to blame. Meanwhile, John Lee's new team is tipped to hit the ground running and in Macau, large queues form at testing centres as the authorities attempt to get on top of potential COVID outbreak. The news from RTHK. You wanna get with us because we got it going on. You wanna get with us because we got it going on. You wanna get with us because we got it going on. You wanna get with us because we got it going on. Check it out. All styles, no matter what you like, we bring it to you every day via the mic. Strike back, find out where we at.
Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Sadia Osmani. I hope you've had a lovely weekend. On the show today after 1.30, my guest on My Story is Oriane Riquier. Oriane started her career in fashion and became aware of how important sustainability was in the industry. We follow her career journey, challenges and ambitions now as she's joined Redress, the environmental NGO working to reduce waste in the fashion industry. After 2 p.m., Tegan Smythe, founder of Grassroots Future, joins me to give me an update on the various events and activities taking place in Hong Kong. And that's to mark Refugee Week, which kicks off today until the 26th of June. That is all happening between now and 3 o'clock. 